0: I'm still a bit uh, ill from everything, but uh, well, what can I say? We live in the the weirdest timeline right now, truly. Let me just put you through everything as as it kind of fits together well, I suppose, because we did a little recording with the with Jake from Secret Police podcast, and that's going to be coming out. So this is my late night putting everything together show. And it feels so weird to even be talking about such situations. Now, on the 26th of October, a delegation from Hamas, no less, visited Moscow for talks on the release of foreign hostages, including Russian citizens that they're holding in in Gaza. And senior Hamas member Abu Marzouk was among those attending the talks, which was reported by TASS. And the TASS, the official Russian news agency, said, quote, Contacts were held with him in continuation of the Russian line of the immediate release of foreign hostages in the Gaza Strip. Issues related to ensuring the evacuation of Russian and other foreign citizens from the territory of the Palestinian enclave were also discussed. No, well, basically, this was just crazy and Hamas visited and then they released their own statement in which they praised the efforts of Russia's president, Putin and foreign ministry to end what they call themselves, quote, the crimes of Israel that are supported by the West. But okay, so, you know, Hamas, one terrorist group coming to visit other terrorist country, that would be normal. However, however, thing that struck me, even before we're getting to everything, is the fact that um, one of the opposition, sort of opposition deputies, one of the municipal ones over there, uh, from St. Petersburg. The municipal deputy from St. Petersburg, Sergei Samushev, he wrote a request towards the General Prosecutor's Office of Russia. And to be honest, I don't know how this guy still uh, exists there, but, well, there was an official request from a municipal deputy towards the General Prosecutor's Office of Russia to actually recognize Hamas as a terrorist organization. Now, um, just to put this in context, you might not, not like them very much, or have some different relations with them, but they call Jehovah's Witnesses a terrorist organization there, and everyone who supports the and I presume uh, me and my show as well. But so th- those are terrorist guys. But uh, meanwhile, <laughs> the Russian Prosecutor General, their office responded, "Quote, an organization." can be recognized as a terrorist only if there is a court conviction that has entered into legal force confirming the commission on its behalf or in its interests of at least one of those listed in Article 24 laws of crimes, says the response from the Prosecutor General's office. Today there are no such cases. What they basically state is that we cannot, con- like the only people who are terrorists in Russia are those who have done terrorist activities and, and you know, Hamas hasn't done any, any terrorist things in Russia. At all, yeah. Now I'll we'll get to the fact that what is terrorism in Russia and what ha- what hasn't been in terrorism in Russia. But keep this in mind, you know, what counts as terrorism, at least what would count as terrorism in Western countries. Now, as this is going on, a series of uh, well pogroms—I don't have another way how to name this—have been happening in North Caucasus region. The people, you know, in Russian opposition would like to call them anti-Semitic incidents. But I would like to call them what they are. They've also, like, been uh, attributed to everything and everyone, but a lot of things have been going on. And remember the thing about terrorism, that Hamas has not done anything terrorism. Well, We'll get to that part. But all over the place, well, we'll get to the airport. But let's start with the beginning. First of all, on October 28th, in Khashavyurt, Dagestan, Locals demonstrated outside the Flamingo Hotel following the spread of online rumors on Telegram suggesting that Israeli refugees were staying there and that the hotel was, and I quote here, full of Jews. The Telegram channel Chepe Dagestan reported that a group gathered outside the hotel several hours after a video showing a person with a supposedly Israeli appearance near the premises. The crowd demanded that the hotel guests come to the windows, and when they did not comply, the group started throwing stones at the building. And uh, according to the news site, Caucasian Knot, police officers who arrived at the scene, they did not arrest the guys who were out there, they did not do anything really. They, um, What they did was they allowed several demonstrators to enter the hotel so that they could verify that there were no Israeli citizens inside. Subsequently, the crowd dispersed. So, uh, yeah. A sign hung on the hotel entrance after the demonstration um, was you know, out there and it was reading Entrance strictly prohibited for foreign citizens of Israel. Jews, in, in marks, by the way. And they aren't staying here, which is another notation for, for other people. And we'll get to the airport, don't worry about this. Airport is just the biggest part of, of all this situation. But uh, besides the airport... Same day, unsanctioned anti-Israel rallies took place in Malchachkala's Lenin Square in Cherkessk, the capital of Karchai Cherkessia. Demonstrators there in Cherkessk, again, we'll get to the airport, demanded that, quote, Israeli refugees not be allowed to enter the region and ethnic Jews be expelled from the area. A government representative said there were no grounds for expulsion, but he was totally ignored. The following morning, October 29th, quote-unquote, unknown individuals set fire to an under-construction Jewish cultural center in Nalchik. The assailants threw burning t- tires onto the property and wrote the phrase death to Jews on the wall. And uh, commenting these incidents, Dagestan governor Sergei Melikov blamed outside misinformation, which is, quote-unquote, spread by the enemies of Russia and that the people involved there were hardheads who allowed themselves to be manipulated. It's just... Uh, thing there. He called on Dagestanis, by the way, to counter any attempts to divide society and that quote, today our prayers are with the people of Palestine. Yeah, this this totally uh, makes, makes sense, you know. Burning down buildings, protesting, doing hate crimes, that's not terrorism at all. No, of course, of course it isn't. The North, North Caucasus Coordinating Center for Muslims one of the opposition things there, I don't know, again, how they still exist, condemned these anti-Semitic actions. They, however, expressed their support for Palestine, but emphasized that Muslims of the North Caucasus cannot be on the side of hatred and intolerance towards other peoples and religions. Which is interesting. Dagestani's Jewish community did not rule out the possibility that they will need to evacuate from the region. The... Ovadya of Osakov, a representative of Russia's chief rabbinate in the Republic, stated, quote, The situation is very difficult in Dagestan. People from the Jewish community are afraid. They're calling, and I don't know what advice to give them. In addition, he said he doesn't know where people would evacuate to, as Russia isn't a refuge. Russia, well, the rest of Russia also has had pogroms. And uh, to put things in on, on how it's going, The whole Hamas visit and all of this happened a single day after one of the chief rabbis uh, praised Putin in his speech and stated that, uh, you know, there is no terrorism in Russia, everything's fine, obviously, while being coerced to do so, which was just an interesting thing, you know, just the day after this situation. But this was nothing in comparison to the anti-Semitic riot in an airport in Dagestan, and I wouldn't call this a riot, because in case of whatever... This was definitely terrorism in any other country that this would happen. Hundreds of protesters gathered in a Sunday evening in Makhachkala, the capital of Dagestan, in an international airport ahead of the arrival from a flight from Tel Aviv. The protest occurred after, again, messages and telegram were circulated calling on people to come to the airport and search vehicles for quote-unquote refugees from Israel. Members of the crowd stopped vehicles leaving the airport and checked passengers' passports. One of the vehicles the protesters stopped was an Omon riot police van, even. You know, the, the kind of places where they drag protesters into the, the stuff that little kids get arrested and thrown in. They even searched that. A person who arrived on the flight from Tel Aviv told the Telegram channel Here is Dagestan that when he exited the airport building, around 50 people rushed to him and asked him if he was Jewish. According to the man, he immediately, quote-unquote, realized what was going on and said he was Russian. He was let through after he showed them his Russian passport. He said that some members of the crowd told him they're not touching non-Jews today, which is another interesting thing, as they specifically note that they're not touching them today. Now, after several hours, the weird part is happening. Uh, The crowd broke into the airport building. According to the Telegram channel «Осторожные Novosti, people entered every room in the airport while shouting anti-Semitic slogans. Videos posted on social media show airport employees trying to hide in offices. Later, some of the protesters ran onto the runway, like a lot of them, and tried to get to the plane that had come from Tel Aviv. At 9.35 p.m. local time, Russia's Federal Air Transport Agency announced that the air traffic to and from the airport was suspended quote-unquote, until the situation is normalized, due to the infiltration of the tarmac by unknown persons. They're not terrorists. They're uh, not doing doing anything special. They're just, you know, going a bit crazy over there. It's fine, I suppose. The Telegram channel Mashgor posted a video purportedly showing Majkalaka Airport employees offering to let the crowd choose three people to enter the aircraft with cameras to prove that there were no Jewish people on board. Know that there's no talk about actually preventing any of this. There's just, you know, don't destroy everything, just, you know, let's get the Jews out and they'll be fine. Reminder that these people are those who are claiming that Ukraine is the Nazi state. For hours, police did nothing to block the crowd. Videos from the scene show police officers calling from megaphones for protesters not to carry out the pogrom or block the roads. Well, just, you know, yelling at them for the foreign press to say that the cops did something while also assuring the crowd that they understand them and that they're ready to stand up and chant with them. One of the guys, by the way, the police officers, was forced to do an apology video after he actually managed to pull out a gun, and then, you know, he was shamed, because he was, like, maybe trying to do his job for once. Only when the protesters completely overwhelmed airport security and broke through to the airport's runway did special forces even arrive on the scene. Even then, however, police did not attempt to break up the crowd. At around 9 p.m. local time, Dagestan National Policy Minister Enrik Muslimov and Youth Affairs Minister Kamil Saidov arrived at the airport and tried to negotiate with the protesters. According to Astrozovnovišti, telecommunication networks were jammed to prevent the crowd from coordinating their actions. And, uh, yeah, they did not leave this airport. They uh, were were stuck there and and, uh, just some were arrested. And only after they truly checked out Checked out uh, some some things, you know. There truly were no Jewish people; that everyone had Russian passports there. Uh, only then they, uh, yeah, they they kind of left, and none of them were even arrested. Sure, some criminal cases were opened, but um, not like not like anyone's going to get any real punishment. That's for show only, really. And this this even went on uh, in so as the plane that they had stopped had a girl or some local villagers from one of the villages in Dagestan had thrown together a lot of money so that you know she could get some treatment some medical treatment in Israel and then she was on this plane and she had undergone some surgery and um, well then you know th- stones were thrown at these these people and fun fact is again just no one no one even bothers to think you know about how it's just not normal and how this shouldn't be done it's just all about all about how uh, you know this is a bit of a nuisance. You know, g- kicking Jews is fine. It's just that, you know, don't do this in a, such a public way. Now, interestingly enough, as I'm, as I'm recording this, I would like to mention the fact that I've gotten my hands on a document. Now, I probably you've seen this one on Twitter. It's, it's been sent to a lot of people, I presume. But my version was sent to me by a person that I know personally in the Ukrainian Foreign Ministry. This might or might not be a psyop or something. I would need to check. I am not sure. However, however, what is said in this document is the fact that, well, apparently there was an order coming to the Republic of Dagestan, of the FSB there, and that they had the operational event base and that they wanted to involve about 500 people in this event of some pogrom stuff, so that they could like put it down and make sure that everything goes smoothly. Because you know, Hamas comes in; they look very bad. They might need to produce an event that uh, you know that they could put down and say, "No, look, we we actually stopped you know any any bad stuff happening to the Jews." That's basically the whole crux of this document. Now, I do not know the validity of it, but it's circulating around, and it's been sent to me uh, by a person that I know personally, and I will of course respond when I got the full, you know, information about this one, I just thought that there's a clear reason why, well, there's evidence circulating around that Russian government was involved in this, and in one way or another, even if this document is totally fake, they totally are, because, you know, pogroms do not happen if, uh, pogroms do not happen if there is not at least, you know, some sort of silence approval from from the state. People do not go outside and do such things if they if they know that they'll be arrested and be persecuted for this. Whether or not the Putin's government actively supported this, it actually doesn't really matter that much. What we know for sure is that no one cared about anything here being anti-Semitic. No one cared about any of, of this being just weird and out of the out of the ordinary. This is this is just a stupid stupid case of pure anti-Semitism, and and it's coming from the same people who. Um, you know, who who want to denazify Ukraine. And even Vladimir Solovyov, who, by the way, touts his Jewishness all over the place, he is now, you know, trying to take care of this from a weird angle. He's now talking about this whole situation in, in the airport from the angle that uh, there must certainly be the hand of Washington in there, that the Americans forced somehow this to happen. It's just total nonsense. We have documents saying that Russia did this, whether or not they did another question, whether or not Dagestani authorities did. Certainly things happened via telegram channel channels. And now we have, now I have Pagrong. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Now, this is this is the weirdest thing. But we have like Madhuza posted an interesting thing from a journalist of Dagestan who explained why this would. Would have happened. This was just interesting. The thing is that uh, obviously the person that they interviewed did not reveal their names because, um, yeah, Dagestan right now is not a safe place. But we have journalists from Dagestan, independent people, who say the following about this whole situation: "Quote, nobody expected things to develop this way, for several thousand people to go to an airport to catch Jews." although people in Dagestan, like people through the North Caucasus region, have been deeply impacted by the events happening in Gaza. Dagestan residents see new videos of bombings and shelling attacks on the Gaza Strip, as well as corpses of women and children practically every day. They see stories about entire families of innocent people dying while nobody from the world's leading powers interferes in the situation or does anything to stop the violence. That's where the increases in hatred towards Israel Uh, whose army is methodically and quote-unquote humanly destroying women, children, hospitals, mosques, and churches with white phosphorus missions is coming from. Uh, That is to say, the journalist is totally buying into all the Hamas propaganda materials and, well, you know, is just out there and carrying on to say nothing of the destruction of ordinary ordinary Palestinians' homes. Despite all this, this Dagestani journalist says to Medusa, there were certainly provocateurs on October 29th as well but the provocateurs found fertile ground. Things have been tense in Dagestani society for a while now, and even aside from international politics, the region is in a state of stress and outrage, for internal reasons, primarily because of poor living conditions. It's young Dagestanis who take part in these kinds of protests, ordinary concerned residents of the Republic who misjudge the situation and may have mistakenly believed that banning Jews from entering the Republic would change something. As far as former Russian State, state Duma deputy Ilya Ponomorov is concerned, I highly doubt they, they know anything about him. Maybe somebody heard something, but I don't think they attached any great significance to him. At the end of the day, it's not important who owned the channel that provoked people into going out to the airport. What happened on October 29th came as a surprise to the authorities. But they stepped in and are now in full control of the situation. And that's, that's what they say over there. However, we have... We have other, other weird situation. Now, th- this also comes in from so-called Kremlin insiders from Medusa, who sometimes are right and sometimes are wrong, but uh, you know they uh, at least provide some information. Apparently, apparently, and again, this is all allegedly and coming from Kremlin insiders. And I hope those are not Soloviev, because my people are, well, some of them, some of them at least are confirming this information, so I can. I'm just giving you what, uh, what Medusa is saying with my own interdictions, because I made some calls and found out some things. Basically, in the Putin administration, these, uh, these people, just officials and strategists who work in administration, sent each other videos of Dagestani residents looking for Jews. They shared the clips just for laughs. And then apparently, well, at the end it came out as a shock and constituted a total emergency for the president's team. This is just crazy. Local authorities, <laughs> the local authorities were quick to blame the Understone enemies and banderites. Kremlin announced that Vladimir Putin plans to hold a major meeting and everything. But uh, yeah, this came as a shock, and no one really expected this. So the insider sources say. On the other hand, you know who knows? We have documentation saying otherwise. There are sources that say that the Putin administration will most likely, and they already are through propaganda, blame these riots on Ukrainian intelligence services in its official statements. However, there are sources uh, that have said, my fellow journalists, some information, and they state that um, they believe it would be difficult for anyone to organize a gathering as large as the airport ride over an issue that doesn't directly affect Dagestan, unless someone from the local political establishment was involved. In other words, the source believes that the individuals who are dissatisfied with Dagestan governor, Sergei Melikov very likely played the role into, into the unrest. Which is interesting, because again, we have... A political fight here. The Kremlin believes that the country's security forces overlooked the situation in Dagestan and did too little to work with the population on the issue of anti-Semitism. At the same time, a source who is in contact with the FSB and other law enforcement agencies has also reported that the security community believes it was the Kremlin's failure that led to the arrest. Interethnic relations is their domain. Prevention is what's important here. Working with influential opinion leaders and curbing the influence of undesirable individuals. If that's not taken care of, you end up with a fire. And, you know, they're true. They're true because right now we have all these sources and everything, and this is just this is just crazy. And of course, well, Dagestad, the governor, of course, blames traitors and banderts, because that is just the most obvious thing to do. This is just the weirdest incident that I've have covered covered for for a long while. Then we have, and we have uh, people's studies as well. And these guys are you know, getting some information about the situation. We have a person who was on the plane. There was an interview with Shmuel, a 26-year-old from Jerusalem. He spoke with the Israeli newspaper, and I'm sorry if I butcher the pronunciation, Yedioth Aronoth. And he recounts his experience as a passenger on a flight from Tel Aviv to Makhachkala. Quote. I was traveling to Makhachkala to see my fiancé. The flight arrived at 8.19 p.m. local time. Out of the 45 passengers abroad, 15, including children, were Israeli. Many had a layover in Makhachkala on their way to Moscow. We were brought to a passport control and asked to wait due to right on the street. There were a lot of police around. Suddenly, we see hundreds of people breaking into the airport. The police evacuated us into a bus while people were running around the runway and throwing rocks after us. Children were screaming. One girl was injured by shards of broken glass. Very scary. The bus loops around the airport. People are chasing us. Rocks are flying. I covered the window with my suitcase. At one point, the crowd stops the bus. They enter inside and ask each of us whether they're Muslim or Jewish. We're lucky that the Israelis on the bus speak Russian. It could have all ended with, with, with us getting killed. I know that the rioters shot and wounded a flight attendant. That's, by the way. From the person. I don't speak Russian, but the Israelis who did help me out. I answered that I'm Muslim, that I'm scared to die. Luckily, they believed me. I saw death on that bus. If they had given me a serious interrogation, they would have realized that I was Israeli. The police rescued us. They placed the bus under protection. Thousands of Hamas supporters were in the field. After four hours of terror, a Russian army helicopter evacuated us. It shot into the air to scare the crowd like in action movies and then took us to the Russian military base in the other city. We slept there, ate there. Whoever wanted flew to Moscow, but some other stayed. That was from an interview with a person who was on board there. Another interesting situation. Now, now the the big issue here is that uh, again, we always, I always speak about the criminalization of the society. I always speak about how there is total, you know, how Soviet Union at least was a state, as much as they didn't like it, and this is just a criminal organization. And this is what happens, you know, when when people just are used to seeing where they're seeing, they're used to seeing lawlessness. The, the Wagner Group guy is returning, But Thompson Kudira doing whatever he wants, you know, making he even made governor governor parades for for his son who beat up that uh, that guy in the prison, right? He even did that. Lawlessness and just normalization of total violence is just showing all over the place, and. Well, here I have the hold Maxim Katz, an opposition journalist whom I don't really like, he lives in Israel, but he's, you know, a bit of an arrogant asshole, uh, but he said it really right today. He said that after all this is over, you know, even though if Putin might go away, and we're not even going to talk about the stupid nonsense that Putin might have died. Okay, I'll mention this at the very, very end, but fine. Basically, we we, we even though if Putin will leave and, and things will change the society and that things will probably get different in Russia, but it's only going to be the upper echelons. The society itself has now changed. Violence has become normal. This is okay. The cops are out there not doing their job, not even like, no one's screaming about how this is horrible. It's just that, you know, they cause the fuss in an unregulated way. This is the new normal. This is the new Russia. And that, that genuinely scares me. Because again, after this whole thing falls apart, we're going to have tons of people who think that all of this is normal. There's going to be have, there's going to, have to be a massive program happening out there, something similar to denazification It's going to be horrific and, and just very difficult to deal with. But it's a real problem. And once again, if someone just claims right now that, you know, a country where pogroms happen, who have ties with Hamas and who deny, you know, who would, who just choose not to declare them a terrorist organization, uh, and who probably might have been involved in these programs. yeah, that they're the ones who are actively fighting against the Nazis, yeah, you know, sounds like total bullshit all over. And now, you know, to end this all on a bit of a, a, bit of a more p- positive note, first of all, no, Putin's definitely not dead. His heart attack, just, yeah, I already said how nonsense that was but then the news hit that Putin might actually be dead. Well, let me tell you how that happened. That is Vladimir Solovey, who was a politician, politologist, basically political scientist, who's known for his conspiracy theories and all this stuff. And he, back on 26th, on the evening of 26th, had made a a 4-pay telegram stream where he spoke about Russia after Putin. And and one of these channels, uh, General of SVR, I think, that was the one. And just so happened that they started spreading these rumors during the stream. And to get on the stream, you had to pay 10 euros, approximately, like 9,000 rubles. So, yeah, that was all of an out-of-blown thing to make people feel good, so that many people would join, just 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 a money grab, and then some other people just reported this. No, no real, nothing real is, is going on about that one, if you're wondering about Putin being really dead. However, I do have to say thank you to my Discord to just, you know, Say something that actually did happen, because uh, thanks to Hans, Hans for this, because he gave me an Ars Technica article, which is a bit crazy, but uh, yeah, this is an interesting situation. Uh, this story, and I'll quote Ars Technica here: the study concerns an, a satellite constellation now known as Sphera or Sphere in English a modestly ambitious constellation of 264 satellites, as Ars Technica reports. And this sphere constellation is intended to provide, uh, to provide internet broadband internet service from, from Middle Earth orbit to Russia and, and observational images and everything. However, as was usual with Russian space projects, because they tend to be poorly funded, the timeline for sphere deployment has been delayed and it's scope reduced, and it also underwent an unscheduled name change. See, before 2018, this satellite program was known as EFIR, or Ether, a reference to the invisible substance and everything. However, that changed in 2018, when apparently Putin publicly announced the program's creation. He recently recalled this in his remarks that were recorded by uh, Rio Novosti. Apparently, Putin said, at first it was called EFIR, Putin said, and in one of my public speeches I was talking and said it was SFERA. I arrived at the Kremlin, and the former Cosmos head greeted me and said, Vladimirovich, you said it was Project Sfera. Sfera, you said. That's what it is, Project Sfera. So, well, basically, they just instantly renamed it. They instantly renamed it because (laughs) because Putin misspoke. Because, you know, unlike any other leader of the world, he's not allowed to make mistakes. Not a feast officially. But this, oh, boy, this is looking real bad. And the Z commentators the Z commentators about all this situation, yeah, their number one reaction is that, you know, they, they are not supporting this, at least overtly, but they're not criticizing the th- this whole situation either. Number one reaction from Mikhail Kalashnikov and his friends is the fact that, you know, these people who did this, you know, they should just go to the special military operation zone and kill people there. Again, there is no discourse in Russia about diplomacy, about civilization, about anything like that. It's only about, you know where will we go and what people to kill to solve some sort of imaginary internal problems. Seems kind of rough to me, personally. But uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, comrades, right now appears to be the the reality that we're living in, which is, like I said at the beginning, the weirdest one humanly possible. And in another way, if you think about this, we've had... um, in the span of four months, we we had Prigozhin marching towards Moscow. Then we had Prigozhin killed. Now we've had pogroms happening once again. It's all a huge mess, and doesn't really seem to be getting better. I once again truly recommend that we just give Ukraine the aid it needs as soon as possible, because that's one of the criticisms that I hear from from the Russian the Russian opposition side. The fact that you know the war would have been much more different because time is also a factor. If Ukraine would have gotten the the cluster am, ammunitions and if it would have proper tanks and everything, because everyone's afraid of escalation, but escalation seems to be on the cards here, especially inside of Russia, because they are just tearing themselves apart all the time with everything. I don't even know whom who benefits from all this situation. I'll just report as honestly as possible, and we'll see. We'll see how this again gets reported in Western media later on. And this is it for now. Thank you to all my patrons. Please, if you would like to support the show, become a patron on patreon.com eastern easternborder. If you're not into that sort of lengthy deal, please go to the theeasternborder.lv and click the donate button. On both of those, those sites, you can listen without ads. And I'll be back with another episode later on. Das wiedersehen. And remember, happiness is mandatory.